It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to another edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel, the official podcast of the Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. Later on in the podcast, we'll be joined by former Fuel player Alex Weidman, who played two seasons in the Indy from 2016 to 18, and is one of four players who have tallied 100-plus points in an Indy Fuel sweater. As far as Fuel news, it's about time to wrap up the 2019-20 season procedurally for the ECHL and start looking ahead to 2020-2021. Of course, a couple of weeks back, the Fuel announced their home schedule, 36 dates at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, beginning on Friday, October 16th, when the Fort Wayne Comets come to visit. Heavy schedule in November with eight home games in November, seven in December, seven in January, as well as five more in February. And so... A lot of opportunities to see the fuel, especially in November, December, and January, and a number of games against division teams. Fort Wayne will be here seven times, Kalamazoo six, Toledo six, Cincinnati five, and Wheeling four. And of course, we also know the fuel headed up to Toledo on New Year's Eve for Walleye Winterfest. We're taking it outside. We'll play at the Mud Hens Ballpark on New Year's Eve, the fuel and the walleye, the first ever outdoor game in Indy Fuel history. This week as well, the ECHL teams announced their protected lists for the end of the 2019-20 season. And the one thing about the protected list is they're fairly procedural. Essentially, a team can protect as many players as it wants as long as those players are under ECHL contract and either played their last ECHL game for that team, in this case the Fuel, or were under a qualifying offer made last summer that allowed the Fuel to retain the playing rights for that player, the ECHL rights for that player, for one year. And there are five qualifying offer players as well as 20 players from the ECHL roster this season. What this means is that head coach Doug Christensen has the exclusive right to negotiate with these players through the month of June. The Fuel, as well as the other ECHL teams, can start re-signing their own players on June 16th. All ECHL contracts are one-year deals. And then also, they can extend qualifying offers to up to eight players, and that will retain the playing rights in the ECHL for that player, for the Fuel, for... One year for any player with less than 260 professional games or non-veterans or through August 1st for veteran players. There's only three veterans listed on the protected list. One of them, Ben Yowds, one of them, Matt Rupert, both of whom played in Europe this season or at least finished the year in Europe and the other being Alex Krushelniski. Everybody else is either a rookie or a player with less than 260 games of pro experience. And so we'll start to see the roster come together the second half of June when the first players begin to sign and then the Fuel can announce, again, up to eight qualifying offers at the end of the month and protect those players' ECHL playing rights for the upcoming season. So that's where we are right now. On June 15th, the season-ending rosters will be published, and then on June 16th, the new league year begins, and teams can begin re-signing players. So that's 
what's been going on in the ECHL. We're kind of in that lull where we're wrapping up one season and beginning to look ahead to the next. Our guest, like everybody else, had a shortened season this year. Alex Weidman played 2016 to 2018 with a few, also played two seasons of junior hockey in Indy from 2009 to 2011 with the Indiana Ice. In his first year with the Fuel, Alex led the team in scoring with 22 goals and 33 assists. And overall, he has 103 points, including 38 goals and 65 assists in a Fuel sweater. He helped lead the team to its first playoff appearance in the 2018 season. Had 16 goals, 32 assists, 48 points that year. And as mentioned earlier, number four on the Fuel scoring list with those 103 points behind only Josh Shalla and the Rupert Twins. Alex was always a fan favorite here in Indy in both of his stints here, junior with the ice and professionally with the Fuel. He scored his first pro goal, incidentally, against the Fuel, playing for the Evansville Icemen in the 2015-16 season before signing with the Fuel. And then after playing two years here, spent a season in Cincinnati, had a point-of-game year, essentially, led them to the ECHL regular season title in 2018-19, and then has spent this past year with Krimichau in Germany, where in 40 games he tallied 39 points and was one of the leading scorers on his team and really had an outstanding experience playing overseas in Europe. So here is our guest on this week's edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel, Alex Weidman. Describe what you've been doing these last couple of months since we've all been home and kind of unable to get on the ice and uh, really unable to get out and do much training. What's the last uh, couple of months looked like for you? Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, looking forward to talking with you and, and uh, you know, having the uh, Fuel fans see what I've been up to the last few years. But um, over the last few months, you know, just like everyone, just kind of figuring out what, what life is going to be like in, the, I guess, the, the near future. Um, I flew back from Germany uh, on March 12th. We found out a few days before that that our season had, had ended. Um, and then from there, flew to Cleveland, where my fiance's from, and spent some time there. Uh, and then basically just been kind of going back and forth from there in Cleveland and now things have started to kind of loosen up a little bit. So there's some restaurants that are open and things and kind of trying to get back to normal life as, as much as we can, but obviously don't want to rush it. Um, you know, and just started training a little bit here and there. It's, there's a lot of unknown on when the season's going to start both in North America and um, in Europe. So I don't want to, I don't want to, um, burn myself out too early in the summer, but, you know, still want to get a good base for when, uh, when things start to ramp up. What was it like trying to get home, especially coming back from Europe with a lot of people trying to come back at the same time? Yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. You know, obviously there's millions of tourists that go to Europe from all over the world. And it just seemed like it was, you know, everyone was trying to get off at the same time. I flew out of the Frankfurt airport, which is a, a couple hours from the town I was playing in and um, it was crazy because I saw a bunch of people that I knew from hockey that were playing in other countries in Europe that were all flying through Frankfurt first and were going to DC and New York and Chicago and things like that. So it was pretty, uh, 
it was pretty pretty crazy to see you know we were all kind of in the same kind of in the same boat getting out of there as quick as we could um it was uh you know something that none of us will probably ever go go through in the rest the rest of our lives here your year this year you had 39 points in 40 games and looked like you had a really solid season what was it like uh, for you getting used to the bigger ice and playing overseas it, you know what it was it was good i i remember there was a few few schools in college when we go there some of them had uh the olympic size sheet and i never was really i never really could find my game i mean it was i know it was only a few teams but i was a little worried at first i thought that you know i wasn't going to produce like i had been in indy and in cincinnati and things like that but the 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 preseason is so long and it really gets you ready for the type the European type game, which is that big puck possession, uh, a lot of room out there. And, um, you know, as much as a lot of people like, like to complain about how long the, the preseason is in Europe and stuff, it really helped me getting used to that style of play. And you mentioned that the bigger ice, there's more room. It's a puck possession mm-hmm. game. Does that kind of fit the game that you try to play a little bit more because of the fact that you are, so good at puck position and driving the offense. Yeah. Like, like I said, a, a lot of people um, throughout the years were always said to me, you know, like, Oh, you got to go to Europe. Like that's the way you play the way, you know, this and that. Um, and it's hard, you know, it's not easy leaving, you know, I left my fiance behind. She uh, is working in Chicago and, and your family, and you, you know, just things like that, that really, that really, you know, make a, that have a big impact on your life. Um, and I just, you know, I had so many people that I look, look up to in the hockey world that were just kept telling me, you got to go, you got to give it a shot. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad I did because I had an awesome time. I got to go to some unbelievable places in the world that I probably never would have been to, um, without playing hockey. And, and as far as the, as the hockey goes, you know, I, it takes me a little bit to adjust to, to new things and on the ice and different styles, but you know, I, I felt like I did a good job and I really worked at it in practice and, and uh, you know, I was able to put together a, a pretty uh, successful season. Now, the European season is fewer games, but you have more practice time, but that also gives mm-hmm. you some more time to see the country and experience things a little bit more. What was that like for you? It was amazing. Uh, like I said, I, I got to go to some of the, you know, some places that you would only see in a magazine or on a commercial. I, I was there. Um, and I, it was just, it was unbelievable. And the amount of time, like you said, there's a lot of practice time, but Mondays are always off because you only play Friday, Saturday or Friday, Sunday. Sorry. Um, so a lot of, a lot of guys will get up early on Monday and they'll go and take a train somewhere. They'll go and drive because, you know, there's so many countries all within a couple hours of each other, uh, especially where I was. I was kind of in a in a pretty um, centrally located spot for uh, countries like Poland, Czech Republic, Austria wasn't far. So we would get up in the morning and we would just we would just go and, and come back at night. And and uh, it was really cool. And I definitely, you know, obviously, if it wasn't for hockey, there's no way I'd be able to uh, be doing cool things like that. How many foreign players are on a team over there? And what are kind of the expectation of being a North American player playing in Europe? Yeah, so there's there's four imports allowed to dress. 
Um, technically, you could have as many as you want, but obviously, you know, the owners and they don't want to spend a whole lot of money on players, especially if they're not going to be playing every night. So most teams carry four imports. Um, and that could be, it doesn't matter. It could be a Canadian. It could be basically any, it's anybody except a German. Um, and a lot of teams use those import spots on uh, players from North America. And it just depends, you know, so, some teams that have a lot of money, if you aren't producing, you know, they'll go out, they'll fire you and they'll go out and get somebody else. I was, you know, lucky enough to be in a spot where, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. And so there, there was pressure on us, but it wasn't like, you know, if you don't score for a few games, like see you later. Um, and that was kind of, that was nice because it, in, as a player, you never want to ha- be in a situation where, you know, if you don't score every single night, then you're, you know, they'll threaten to, to kick you off the team or fire you basically. So, um, but you know, the fans and the, and the rest of the team, you know, they're, they're all looking for you to make, to make an impact. And I like, you know, personally, I like that sort of pressure. I like when people are, you know, looking, looking to me, uh, as a person that, you know, can, can be that person that make the impact. And, um, you know, I, I kind of think that I like to, I thrive in those positions and I, and I do well with a little bit of, um, I don't want to say stress, but a little bit of, um, you know, the way that if, if, if I can do it, you know, and it, and it puts a smile on everyone's face, it just, you know, it makes me happy and it makes me think that I've done my job and, and the reason why I'm there. What was the best cultural site or best trip you had during your year in Germany? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I was, I was pretty centrally located. I was only uh, a little bit less than two hours from Prague, which is the biggest city in Czech Republic. Um, and it's rated all, it's rated one of the best cities in Europe. Um, and went there over Christmas. My fiance flew, or actually she was my girlfriend at the time. My, fia- uh, my girlfriend flew in and uh, we ended up getting engaged in Prague uh on christmas eve so that was probably the uh you know obviously the highlight of my year and and uh to do it in such a cool city during christmas time with the christmas markets that are all over the place it was uh pretty special yeah that's fantastic congratulations to you thank you you'd played four seasons primarily in the echl a couple years Mm -hmm. here in india and cincy and evansville as well how did Mm -hmm. the opportunity come up for you to go to germany well like i said you know there was people that were you know, not begging me to go, but they were just saying how, how well I would do there and this and that. And, um, there's a little bit, you know, a little bit more money that's in, that's in Europe, especially when you convert it over to dollars and all this and that. But I just wanted to go there and I wanted to, cause you don't know, right. Unless you do it for yourself. And so I was, basically in contact with a, a European agent, but he's from North America. Um, and he had contacted me. It was in, it was in like late July and I had already, um, you know, kind of had a, a thing in the works with or contract in the works with Rochester, the team that I was on contract with the year before. And he basically said, 
you know, there's a team in Germany um, that really wants you, really needs you, a player like you. And so I kind of didn't really have a whole lot of time. I had maybe a week, week and a half. And it was one of those things that, you know, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now, right? I'm not married. I don't have any kids. You know, this is the time to really give it a shot. And had some talks with my family. And obviously, you know, they couldn't be any more supportive. My fiance as well, um, you know, was on board. And I went to I went to Germany with no expectations, didn't know a single person on the team and, and left with, obviously memories that'll last a lifetime and friendships. And, uh, you know, I was really glad I did it. Now you look ahead to next year. And as you mentioned earlier, there's so much uncertainty, but what is the process like of planning for where you're going to play next year? It's a good question. (laughs) A lot of, (laughs) you know, everyone, you know, not just me, but everyone playing, uh, hockey all over the world is, uh, you know, first and foremost, they want to make sure everyone is, is safe and they're following all the guidelines and everything like that. Um, as for right now, it's basically a waiting game. Um, you know, I'm in a I'm in a position where in Europe I'm an I'm an import, right? So there's only four spots, and then also in North America I'm now a vet, which also is four spots. So um, you know, it's basically a waiting game and, and seeing where the best spot for me is to go. Um, and you know, just, I just, right now it's, it's really out of my control and just kind of have to see what, what plays out in front of me. Well, you're two years in Indy. You'd played a year in Evansville before. Matter of fact, if I remember right, you scored your first pro goal against the fuel uh, down in Evansville, (laughs) but, uh, uh, what were some of the highlights during those two seasons? Oh man. I mean, it was it was a really 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 tough decision on me uh, when I was when I decided not to go back. It really it was really hard. Um, those two years in Indy were everything for me, from you know developing to the player that I knew I could be and I knew I wanted to be, to friends that I still talk to every day that were on that team. Um, to Bernie that gave me, you know, a chance to be that player. Um, and obviously Jim, the owner, I mean, he couldn't have been more passionate about hockey, our team and the community of Indy. I mean, I have not a single bad thing to say about my time in, in Indianapolis. Um, that was really where I, like I said, like I, I developed, as a player that I wanted to be and that I knew I could be. And I was really grateful for that, uh, for that opportunity. In your two years as well, your first year, it was really kind of a feeling out process for a lot of people. A lot of players coming in and out to try and mm-hmm. just get the roster. You were pretty competitive at the end of the year, but how much did that lead to the opportunity to clinch a playoff berth and be a leader on a playoff team the following year? Yeah, it, it was awesome. Um, obviously, you know, those first, first few months of the season it it was tough right nobody wants to lose um I sure didn't want to lose but you know I had faith in the way that Jim runs the organization even even down to the concession stand people to the players to you to the other staff equipment 
uh, trainers, everything. Um, it was just a matter of time before that organization was able to get in the playoffs. And obviously the, the team had to be in the trenches for a few years, which is pretty normal uh, when it comes to a new franchise. And not everyone knew how special of a place Indianapolis was at the time. And I'm sure it was hard to get players to come because of the unknown. But now after being in the league for, what is it, six years now, six, mm-hmm. seven years, um, you know, I've got friends that play in the league that, you know, that's where they want to be. It's, a, it's an awesome city, awesome fans. Um, and it's just a matter of time now until they, you know, went around in the playoffs and, and, and even get to the championship. You made a late season push in 2018, got it down to that final game against Kalamazoo, which essentially was a playoff game. It almost felt like a game seven at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. What was the feeling like when you finally clicked off the final seconds and you knew you were going to the playoffs? It was a, you know, it was a really special feeling, especially for guys like uh, that were year that were there the year before that had that tough year. Um, uh, Misko, uh, Neeler, Rupert, uh, Shala, you know, those guys can't, except for Rupert and Misko, Neil and Shala, you know, kind of came towards, towards the end of the first year we were all there together. But, you know, it was, it was a huge, it was a huge accomplishment for us, you know, from where we were and where we started the year before and and a huge accomplishment for the fans you know those fans are amazing they, i was there i played two years in the ushl obviously in indy and in that same building and you know the fans were awesome even then and and now um and it was just a huge huge uh accomplishment for all of us um and we wanted to do it for them because they've been waiting they had waited a long time for playing hockey yeah, when you do it for them. Yeah. When you came here, it was your second year as a pro. How much did you really grow during that second season where you scored 55 points, you were the team's leading scorer? How much did you really find out about yourself as a hockey player that has helped springboard your professional career? Oh geez, a ton. Um you know, like I said, that was that was the year where I really found the type of player that I was and that I knew I could be in I had come from a, a program in college two years before that. That's it, at the time, you know. Now, now they're struggling, but at the time, they're they were a big time school, and and you know everybody wanted to go there. And and I was uh, I was in a spot where basically I was content with being there, playing every game. I wasn't getting you know the minutes or the power play minutes that that I would have liked but our team was good and we had tons of good players and I was just glad to be on a good team. And when I came and I, and I played in Evansville and I had a, I had a pretty solid rookie year, but when I came to Indy that first year, I really, you know, Bernie really opened the door for me and gave me those opportunities to be that guy in the power play and to be the one that is, you know, handling the puck for the most part and making the plays. And that's always the player that I wanted to be. And I was just very lucky and thankful that he gave me that opportunity. And I kind of just took off and ran with it and uh, basically haven't looked back since. 
you mentioned your college days, and you played with a lot of really good players. You know, Riley mm-hmm. Smith and Austin Zarnick oh, yeah. and Blake Coleman and guys like yep. that. Played the NCAA yep. tournament three times. Yep. You played with some really good players with the ice as well. Mm-hmm. Were you really just taking on more of a depth role with those teams and just didn't really get the opportunity to be the scorer that you had become as a pro? Yeah, and like I said, I always knew I was a good player, and I always knew I could – I could hang with those guys. It just was a matter of I was in that position and, and our teams were good and I was fine with it. You know, I never, I wasn't mad about it. We were good. We were having fun and we were winning games. And that's really all that, all that mattered to me. Um, if I could go back and, you know, I probably would have, you know, not worked harder, but just like wanted more of a, of a, of a, better role on the team, but I was fine with it. And I wanted to be a good teammate. Um, but when it came down to pro and it came down to, you know, your that's your job and you're getting paid to do it. You know, I think my mindset changed a little bit and I was like, well, guess what? Like I want to be that guy, you know, I'm not fine with not being that guy. Um, because when you are that guy, that's where you make more money, you know, and ultimately, you know, as a, as a player at my size at, at pro hockey, you need to be that guy or else you don't play or else you're useless. So my dad always told me growing up, you know, if you're standing around and, and not moving, they'll just, why would they put you out there? They can just put out somebody who's six, five who can take up more room doing that. So I really, you know, I really took that to heart and I really was like, you know what? Like I, I need to be that guy. I want to be that guy. And that's the way I, that's the way I, and it wasn't in a selfish way by any means. But I just I knew I could be I knew I was good I was was a better player than what I was showing it in college, and when I got to pro I really started to open myself up and and be more creative and and I ended up being the player that I knew I always was. How important were those two years you had with the ice from 2009 to 2011 in being a springboard from your youth hockey career in St. Louis mm-hmm. to being able to have the success at Miami you had. Those two years, especially my first year under Jeff Blaschel, like I had learned more in one month than I ever had in my whole life playing hockey. Um, he's obviously a, a brilliant mind for the game, um, and I was super fortunate to to play under him. Um, you know, from from every just just from the way to think the game, and I was coming from midget hockey, which is you know, the highest hockey that I could have played at the time at that age group, but it just wasn't the same. You have, you have a guy who is a tremendous coach and he breaks down the game and we were watching video. You know, I'd never watched video in my life before that, as far as breaking down, you know, each segment of the game and the way he went about it, he ran it like an NHL team. And you could see that from day one because we were, our team was so good. We were so well structured. Um, and the games we were losing, we were never totally out of games. We were always hung in there. Obviously, you're not going to win every game. But it wasn't like we were getting blown out when we would lose. We, were all, we always hung with it. And, you know, we were super fortunate to have a guy like him. And he really, he really helped our team a lot. What's the thing you take away from playing for a guy like Jeff Blaschel or Enrico Blasi in college, just two outstanding coaches? How much did they help really propel your professional career? Oh man, I mean, I don't think if I had both those coaches, I don't think I would be 
still playing hockey, honestly. Um, with, with Black, he always said, think smarter, not harder. So basically what I took out of that was, you know, you could, you could run around a million miles an hour, but you're not really accomplishing anything. But the way you're positioned on the ice, you'll, you're in a better position. You'll get the puck more. And, you know, cause I was always in midget hockey. I was always really fast and I could just kind of fly around and take the puck off people. But, it, you know, as you get older and, and, and guys are really, guys are really good. You have to be in good position. And he really helped me out with that. And I still use everything that he's taught me. I still use today. And with coach Blasey, same thing as, as far as puck protection, you know, I used to think when I was a freshman, he would put the biggest senior defenseman on me, Will Weber, who's six, six. And I used to think he would, he was doing it as punishment. I'm like, God, well, you know, why does he hate me? Why is he, you know, I'm the smallest guy. Why is he putting me up against the biggest guy? Well, he won. And, and I, you know, I thank him now for it, but at the time I hated it because it was hard, but you know, now when I, when I go into a corner with a bigger guy, I'm able to use my smaller body, but I'm able to shield the shield the puck from him. And I think that's probably my strongest asset as a player is puck protection. And, you know, doing that four years with coach Blasey, it really, you know, extended my career by a lot. You had a chance to play in three NCAA tournaments in four years, be part of one of the top teams in the country. Mm -hmm. What was it like to, have that experience and to be a part of a team that was contending for championships every year. Oh man, it was, it was cool. It was, you know, it was one of those things that the buzz around the school, um, was awesome. We always had great fans at our, at our games and even morning skates. There'd be people camped out in the morning before huge games against North Dakota and Michigan teams like that. And it was it was, it was crazy. I mean, I just, you know, being able to play on ESPN is something that obviously you always wanted to do as a kid um, and to actually do it and be a part of it. It was like, it was basically like a fantasy. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I, and I look back at it now and I'm, you know, I don't, I'll never, I'll never play on ESPN again. So it was one of those scenes where it was, it was pretty cool when it happened. And sometimes you don't, you don't necessarily when, when it's going on, you're not really thinking about that. You just want to win. And, um, but now looking back on it, I mean, it was one of the coolest things, uh, to play in those games ever. You got a chance to make your pro debut in 2014, right after your senior year ended in uh, mm-hmm. Binghamton playing mm-hmm. with your brother, your older brother yeah. has played a number yeah. of seasons in the NHL. Yep. What was that like for you and for your family to get a chance? I know you played a season together at college as well, but yep. to get a chance to play professionally together for those few games. It was everything that we've always dreamed of. Uh, I know that sounds pretty cliche, but you know we were always playing together in the backyard and, and things like that and played to, play together for a year in college, which was amazing. But to do it in, in, in the pro level was, uh, you know, unbelievable. Uh, he had been there for three years before that. And, and to see him, you know, to where he is, where he's at now is incredible as far as, you know, the amount of time and work and sacrifice that he's put in. And it was really cool to see that because I hadn't seen him obviously live in, in a few years since that happened. And, 
you know, just being there with him and seeing the way he prepared and got ready for games and prepared his body and the way he practiced. And it was a no brainer that he was able to uh, play four seasons, play four seasons in the NHL. How did you guys get your start in hockey? I know your father was a college basketball player. Mm -hmm. How did, uh, how did you end up on the ice? Hockey didn't really get very big up until probably when I left for the USHL back in 2009, as far as youth hockey. Um, but my dad had season tickets in the, in the eighties and early nineties, uh, to the blues games. They were cheap at the time and he would always take my mom. And then when my brother and I were born, he, uh, would always take us. And that was back when Brett Hall was there. And, and that was both of our favorite players at the time. And, and we really just, you know, fell in love with the game right away from, from going to those games. And, um, like you said, he would, he, I don't think he's ever even put on a pair of skates in his life. So to have two, <laughs> to have two sons that both play pro hockey is, is pretty crazy, especially with, um, you know, the back, the, the background of hockey that my dad had. <laughs> what was it like growing up in the kind of the hockey culture in St. Louis because of the impact that the blues had in helping develop that? You know, I think that obviously Brett Hall was, was probably the, uh, the biggest uh, proponent to that in the uh, late eighties, early nineties, um, you know, because, because he was, he was an all-star or he was, you know, he's superstar. He was one of the best goal scorers to ever play. And, and I think that, you know, the blues fans or and sports fans in general in St. Louis are always, you know, they're hardworking guy, they're hardworking people and, and they, and they love their sports. And I think that having a guy like that really uh, propelled, kids to play in the city um you know and we were a factor of that and as far as you know obviously now the blues are a perennial powerhouse and and winning that stanley cup but i don't i don't think that you know without brett hall and and guys like al mckinnis gretzky was here for for a little bit brendan shanahan i mean we've had some major major big time hall of famers that have come through over the last 30 years. And I, you know, obviously without them, I don't think you, hockey in St. Louis would be what it is. Al McGinnis's kid, the Kachucks, you know, yep. Logan Brown, a number yep. of children of former blues are having a really good hockey careers now, but how proud are you to be part of that group of players out of St. Louis that has really made a mark for themselves in professional hockey? It's really special. It, it's like a, you know, and we're all friends, even though we're all different ages. Um, we're all friends and it's kind of like our own little fraternity. You know, we all skate and work out together. Um, you know, but, but guys, like you said, like the Kachucks and, uh, Jeff Brown, my coaches growing up were Rob Ramage, Paul Cavallini. Um, so we were all really fortunate to have those ex blues players that they stayed and had their families here and they loved it here. And, and it's a great place to grow up and, and raise a family. And, and we were all just lucky that, you know, their their sons were born around the same time that we were. And, and uh, you know, it's it doesn't surprise me that, you know, St. Louis hockey is, is at where it is right now. Where was the point where growing up you thought, I've got a shot to maybe play in college. I've got a shot to maybe mm -hmm. play professionally. I was, I was a good player growing up. I was obviously a lot smaller than everybody, 
but you know, it's, it's all I wanted to do. It wasn't, you know, I, I stopped playing sports, you know, looking back at it now, I wish I would have kept playing, but I stopped playing everything else, uh, after eighth grade and every day, you know, just like most kids now, I mean, I, I was going, I was shooting pucks. I was sticking. I drove my parents absolutely crazy because I was sticking a golf ball in the house and while I was watching TV and, you know, they kicked me out, threw me in the basement and closed the door because it was so loud. And, but it's all I wanted to do. And I really thought when I got to the USHL and I was, I was, I was an okay. I was, I was a good at USHL. Like like you said, I was a depth, depth player, but I, I knew I had more potential. Um, and when I got to college, same thing, depth player, but, you know, still, still was able to contribute and, and, um, you know, hang with the guys that are in the NHL right now, but it really, you know, towards the end of my college career, I, I had guys and, and mentors of mine that said, you know, you're, you'll be a, you'll, I think you'll be a better pro player because of the way the game is played. And, and that's not a knock on college hockey at all, but the way you can be creative and, you know, the way that the way the puck possession and the way the game is played in pro, it's, it's a little bit different than college. And, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know that I was going to be uh, have as much success as I did. But I knew if I kept working at it and, and you know, even even today, I still you know, I still think I can get better. I still want to be better at 28 years old. And, um, you know, I think I think having that drive and and that passion to keep getting better is, is why I'm still playing and why I'm having success. Growing up, who did you try to pattern your game after? Was there somebody you looked up to and kind of used as an influence? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, obviously being a smaller guy, I, I focused more on guys like Marty St. Louis. Um, Paul Correa was in was playing for the blues for a while and McDonald and and guys like that, that were, you know, that weren't, that were under six feet and, and the way they played. And, and like I said, the way they used their body against bigger guys. And I really, you know, I really wanted to obviously play like them. And, and when it was, when it came times like that, where, you know, I was going in against bigger guys, I realized that, you know, if you get there first, they're going to have to play defense on you. And a lot of times, you know, guys will go into a corner and they see a bigger guy, they'll let them go first. But if you get there first and and you're using your body to protect, they really can't get you down unless they take a penalty. And I was able to draw penalties like that. And I remember watching guys like Andy McDonald and, and Paul Correa, and they played in a different, a different era of hockey where a lot of that was, you know, legal at the time. But now if those guys were playing, you know, they'd be drawing 15, 20 penalties a game. Um, but I really, I really liked the way that those guys would go in first and, and they weren't scared of those bigger guys. And, and that's the way I kind of uh, started playing and it, and, it, and it worked. After your two years here in Indy, you played a season in Cincinnati, played yep. for a very good team that mm-hmm. won the league regular season title. Yep. Kind of describe first things first, what it was like playing in the division against guys that you had played with the previous couple of seasons, but also just what it was like being part of that team and the success they had. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, like I said earlier, it was really, really, really tough to, uh, to leave Indy. Um, but it was one of those things where I was able to get a contract with Rochester in the American league. Um, and right. And that's where everyone wants to be. And I, and I took that chance and, you know, unfortunately I, obviously you don't know at the time, but I, I wasn't, I didn't play any games, but I went to, came down to Cincinnati and, um, you know, we had a really, really, really strong team and, and a great coach and everything. And it was weird. It was weird going back to, uh, back to the Coliseum and, and seeing all the fans that, you know, that you like and that, you know, that are, you know, you've stopped and talked to over the years, whether it's just after a game or at, at the end of the year banquet and things like that. And, you know, I was able to develop relationships with the fans and, um, you know, I, I really respect all the fans in Indy and I, loved being there and it was weird going back at first. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, that's, that stuff happens and, you know, you can't really let it get to your head during the game, but it was, uh, it really, uh, you know, that place has a spot in my heart for sure. And, and uh, it always will. What's a favorite memory or favorite moment from your career? My favorite memory in my career would have to be, winning the uh nchc championship my senior year um that was kind of a a cool way to cap off uh an unbelievable four years of uh college hockey and you know a lot of people say that that because our conference is so strong and those four teams that were that was there that weekend in in, uh st paul um you know any four of those teams could have won the won the national championship we were all in the ranked I think, in the, yeah, we were all ranked in the top 10 in the country at that time. And it was a, it's such a good conference. I think, you know, they've had the national championship winner every year since that, that league formed and uh, to win that my senior year and to go out on top was uh, really special. What are some of the favorite rinks you've played in and maybe some of your favorite road cities that you visited over the years? I definitely hate playing in Fort Wayne. I hate playing in Toledo. <laughs> and I think all the fuel fans will like that. That's definitely some of the worst places to play. Um, as far as my favorite places to play, I mean, you know, it's nice going down to Florida against playing against the other leagues just because of the nice weather. You know, it's a nice little break, especially in the wintertime if you get on there. Um I would, I mean, it, it is, it is fun playing in Toledo, obviously because of the crowd, but you know, there's obviously, they're always a good team and I don't think I have a great record against them there. Uh, I don't think most people do. So that's, a, that's one that I, you know, never like going to, but, um, you know, I, I don't, as far as favorite places to go, I mean, I I definitely say the, those teams down south just because of the weather. Back in my days when I was the public address announcer and down rinkside, mm-hmm. you had a pregame ritual. I I assume you still do, where you'd skate through <laughs> the neutral zone, fire the puck off the glass at us uh, in the uh, scorers box. Uh, where did that come from? Do you really just kind of do that to kind of work on your stick handling, or are you really kind of trying to keep us uh, honest over there? Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, you know, I think I, I started doing that with you guys because 
I remember because I, I always do stick handle in the neutral zone, kind of by the red line, and, and just you know get my hands ready and warmed up for the game. But I saw you in one of the guys uh, in the penalty box. You guys were kind of chatting it up, and I was like, "Oh, they're not paying attention. If I shoot it really hard, <laughs> I might startle." Them. So uh, you know, I uh, you know kind of looked up and, and saw you guys talking. So I ripped it off the off the glass and. Both of you guys kind of jumped, and so I, I just kept doing it and kind of made it a game between you guys, and then I've just done it ever since now. That's something we always look forward to down there <laughs> yeah. as well. But what is uh, something about Alex Weidman that our fans might know or the typical person sitting in the stands might not know about you that is really kind of a part of who you are? Good question. You know, I would definitely say I'm – just one of those guys that you know is is pretty realistic when it comes to the way I play the game and the way I prepare and and when you're taking it for granted and you're not working hard and you know sometimes the season can can get dragged down and it's easy not to you know want to work hard and practice and get better but you know I'm one of those guys where you know I'm honest and and I have to I have to do those things in order to do well. I, I don't just, you know, it might seem like I just, you know, can show up and play and do well, but that's not, that's not the case. I have to be always working on my game, even in the dog days of January and February when it's cold and you're, you're tired. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that is always still working on my game and practice and, um, you know, always wanting to get better. What's something that you'd like to say to the fans in Indy before we finish up? I just, you know, I've never, I don't have a single bad word about, about that city and about the fans. And, um, you know, that place will always have a a special spot in my heart. Um, And that was a place where I was really, you know, it developed as a, as a hockey player and and the player that I always wanted to be, and I always knew I could be. And, you know, I've got, relationships that you know i'll have the rest of my life um because of there alex thanks a lot for joining us here on the under the hood podcast and good luck to you next season wherever that may be and enjoy your summer and getting ready for next year all right thanks a lot andrew take care and we want to thank alex weidman for joining us on this edition of under the hood with andy fuel always a fan favorite always enjoyed seeing alex around the rink Coming from a real hockey hotbed in the central United States in St. Louis, we've seen a number of young players, and Alex being part of that, as well as his brother Chris, matriculated a pro hockey, a number of them really shining in the National Hockey League level as well, and he's certainly a part of that group. I want to thank Alex Weidman for joining us on this edition of Under the Hood. We'd also like to let you know of a new feature I'm hosting on Fridays on the Fuel's Instagram page. We're joining a player, coach, member of the organization on Friday afternoons for Ask with Andrew. You can submit your questions. I will relay them to our guest on Instagram Live, and we have a lot of fun with that segment. What we're going to try to do as well is archive those and play them on the podcast as well. And so keep your eyes peeled. The Fuel's Instagram page, at IndieFuel. And you can join us for Ask with Andrew on Friday afternoons. 
Thanks for joining us on this edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the fuel, Andrew Smith. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.